0: can't answer nope hello <laughs> hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of fan fuel tonight it's fan fuel wide open It's is a new tradition we're going to start we're going to probably do one of these every two to three months uh and that is just a total uh fan fueled episode uh for tonight we've prepared some of our own topics uh but in the future we want you guys to uh, chime in and if you are watching live or listening live right now go ahead and chime in on Twitter uh, and we will check your comments out and we'll add those to the docket for tonight um, but before then guys um, I want to go ahead and introduce everyone Colton Cranmore Nathan Ball and myself Alex Harrington we are waiting on Jared Bokaisa. uh he is a little bit late this evening but he will be here as always um, but before that, let's go, let's go ahead and jump into this wide open, uh, fan fuel. So we've all got motorsports topics, but you guys can pretty much type whatever you want in the comment section on Twitter and we'll we'll roll with what you got. We've all got opinions on everything. That's kind of how we ended up on this space anyways. So Colton, what's your first, what's your first one you got? So
1: first one I want to talk about, if y'all have heard of these rumors about Colton Herta. Possibly going to Formula 1. Um, it was Andretti Autosport maybe buying uh, the Alfa Romero Formula 1 team and putting Colton Herta in the ride um, maybe as soon as 2022. Um, you guys are definitely more into open wheel than I am. Colton Herta is my guy in IndyCar, but that's just because we have the same name. I don't really watch a ton. So what do I'm going to know what you guys think of it, and then I'll fill in my end.
0: Oh, man. Um, it's a two-parter, though. So yeah, I, mean, I guess I'll just start I, with what I think. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Like, well, first of all, I think for IndyCar fans, he's probably one of the best choices if you send somebody to F1 because his driving will probably suit that kind of car. Like, he's got one lap pace, which really matters over there. Like, qualifying is everything in F1, so he could probably be your guy to lay down a lap. Um, he does struggle a little bit with consistency. Like, sometimes he does things, you know, not always going to finish the race well, but He's really, really quick, and he's only 21 years old, and he's got four years of experience. So for F1 teams, obviously, they're really, really into youth these days. So I feel like he checks all the boxes that they would want. Like, he's a raw talent. He's pretty young. And I don't know if he has the super license points, but he could probably get those via testing. So I I think it's – it's a good idea, but I don't know if I would do it as soon as 2022. Maybe I'd like wait a year or something.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, for me, it's a, it's kind of a, a dual question because it's like w- we've got a very prolific owner in uh, Michael Andretti. I mean, he's got a Formula E team already. Uh, he's got the IndyCar out, you know, outing. And I believe he's also got the Extreme E team as well, which is – basically formula e4 for big off-road trucks uh they do a little different stuff it's a motorsport that uh i've not really heard enough about to get into uh nor really cared to um so he's already got his stuff pretty stretched out he's got a rallycross cross team as well um unless he shut that down in the last year or so so i don't know that adding a formula one team would be very good because that is a massive upscale in price and i don't Think that I would like that from a standpoint of I think it might harm the IndyCar and Formula E efforts because more money are being is being spent in just this major conglomerate of motorsports. And then the other side for me is Colton Herta going over there. It really, just it would kind of irk me because, like you guys have said, he's he's one of the stars of the sport. He's one of the up and coming guys. He's got a lot of tenacity. He's got an attitude that that really shines out. That that he, he knows that he's very good he thinks he's the best out there and that's really good for the IndyCar banter and stuff but we've also seen plenty of American drivers just not do well overseas in the Formula One ranks um, Scott Speed and Alexander Rossi both tried to be Formula One drivers they uh, both made a few starts and that was about it um, for whatever reason Americans just can't cut it in that world so I don't think sending Colton Hurdle would over there would do anything but tarnish his IndyCar sets.
1: Yeah. So I think it'd be cool to see him go over there solely because there isn't an American driver over there. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's the guy if I had to pick one American to do it. Um, but it would be cool to see an American start a formula one race again. I'm with you. He may have all the FIA certifications and licensing and everything he needs to go run F1. I don't think he's going to, should do it um I mean you're talking about way different competition levels way different styles of driving the car um and he's going to go from competing in IndyCar for wins to maybe racing for a point in Formula One I mean you're talking about two completely different types of racing there that's kind of why Romain Grosjean stepped away and moved to IndyCar was so that he could actually drive something
2: yeah, I would agree. Like I, I know, that when, like the highest profile, you know, F1 bust that I can think of from America was Michael Andretti. Like he pretty much dominated CART in the 90s. Probably he's still like one of the all-time winners in CART. And when he went to F1, they put him straight to McLaren against Senna. So, you know, he ended up getting absolutely destroyed by Senna. Didn't even last the season. They let him go in the middle of the year. So that that didn't that didn't pan out the way it was supposed to. And you know, people still don't know the full story behind that. So I don't, I don't want to say that that's going to happen, but I do think that if they're going to make this move, they got to put a lot into it because it seems like it all just came out of nowhere. Like You can't just say, I'm going to F1. Like, I on to win. You can't do that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and, and one of the things I think um, when, when looking at some past stuff about Alexander Rossi uh, in particular, I'm not, I'm not very voiced on Scott Speed. other than that. he, he just races whatever and does uh, moderately to exceptionally well. Um, Alexander Rossi actually um, talked about this in, in an interview about the difference between American motorsports and Formula One motorsports is all those guys grew up together racing. Uh, just like all the guys in Cup, basically, you know, you've got little pods of different types of uh, upbringings that you've got. You know, the asphalt late model guys have raced up with themselves, and then you got, like, the DIRT sprint car guys like the Briscoes and um, Larson's and 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 Bell's all you know coming from the same area they've raced together well you you don't have that as an American trying to get in the F1 unless you move to Europe at a young age and one of the things that um, that Rossi said is that he he didn't have enough of that time to get there Um, and and so that was something that was also brought up in the uh, Dale Jr. download with uh, Joseph Newgarden Talking about he and uh, Connor Daly, and and that just I don't I don't feel like an American would mesh well unless an American you know moved over there at the age of five or something and started their karting career.
2: Yeah, and that's another part. I think they said Herta was one of the more well versed guys from America that grew up racing over there. I don't think he raced like an extended period of time over there. He raced at Formula Three, Formula Ford. I think Lando Norris was one of his teammates at one point. Um, I know that a lot of the guys that are born in other countries have come from there. Like Alex Pelot raced F3, Pato Award raced Super Formula. All the guys that are born over there. I mean, Pato actually grew up mostly in America, but still, like almost all the guys that were over there, they grew up in Europe. And even the drivers that are American now in any car. They made their living in America, but they grew up racing in Europe. So I don't know how it's going to go. I feel like if you wanted to go to F1 if you want to go to F1, then it's tough because you kind of have to stay there.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Well, we did have, while we were talking about herded F1, the fourth horseman show up.
0: Yeah, so uh, welcome in, Jared. How are you doing tonight? Hey, what's going on? I'm
3: back. Running a few minutes late from football stuff, but all good. We're here. I heard we're wide open tonight, like the five fifty package races. So I'm ready to roll. <laughs> well,
0: well damn. You if you're hard. gonna if you're gonna jump into that, we'll go ahead and jump <laughs> into it. So my topic tonight was five fifty versus everyone. Um that's basically the why. Uh, and I've talked about it multiple, multiple times, and it seems like no one likes it. You've got a few, I guess, like Colton calls them video game fans that, that enjoy, um you know, playoffs and whatnot, Richards. as well as this 550 package. But it seems this past weekend we had a bunch of drivers talking about how, you know, I, I – look at Tyler Reddick in particular saying that he wished he had had more horsepower so that he could actually go up there and do something alluding to the fact that he couldn't pass the five there in those final moments of the race before, you know, the or while they were under red flag. Um, I, the drivers don't like it. I don't think that the engine department likes it because I mean, they're trying to squeeze out 15 horsepower so they can get 500 and what, 65 horsepower. Like it's, no one likes it. No one likes the full throttle time. They like off throttle time. We all talk about it. And then the next gen package comes out after being rumored to be 670 horsepower, all tracks and says 550 horsepower is going to be to stay. And one of the things that really bothered me is that I was looking up hope and a lot of people keep telling me there's no hope, you know, I mean, so I, I don't know. I'm frustrated with it. We're going to have to deal with it next year, but a lot of us don't like it. So what I did is I took, you know, from you guys all across the fandom saying that you don't like 550 racing. And I just eliminate them from the championship. So thanks to, um, thanks to racing reference, still publishing non-playoff points. I took the top 20 guys in point standings, not playoff standings, but point standings. And just kind of reversed, engineered the championship to be based off points not including all the 550 tracks so to this point we've had one two three four five six seven eight nine ten 550 races including the ones at Poconoa Michigan as well as all the one and a half milers and then we would be having Kansas this weekend but it doesn't matter and surprisingly with Larson and Hamlin having a complete tie right now if you take out the 550 package races completely, Denny Hamlin has 929 points over Larson's 860. So I wanted to bring up the fact that there are teams that are being catered to by having this 550 package and some of them might surprise you. Now, I will go further in a little bit and show you guys what happens when you take out the four Super Speedway races as well. But it seems like Specifically, from what I counted, uh, drivers like um, Tyler Reddick and William Byron and Kyle Bush were immensely hurt by not having 550 horsepower races counted towards their championship. Kyle Bush went from fifth in total points as of right now after the Texas race to 12th.
3: Ooh. Ooh. So what do
0: you guys think about that? Ooh. Well, I mean,
2: first of all, like yeah, I've, I listen to like positive aggression. Like I'm a big like stat nerd, and everyone said that he was one of the best 550 cars all year. Um, obviously, Larson's untouchable on these types of tracks. Like I mean, they said he's led like half the laps on mile and a half this year, which is kind of astronomical. And I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they're necessarily being catered to. I don't think they tried to be better at one type of track than the other. But I think it's just a product of you use whatever you're good at. And, you know, some teams are really good at – you saw last year with Hamlin. Like, Hamlin wasn't as good on 750 tracks, but he was really good on 550 tracks. Now you go to this year, Hamlin's really good on 750 tracks, and Larson's better on the 550 tracks. It's like, you know, some teams are stronger than others in certain areas. Um, I would guess Kevin Harvick probably shoots up without 550 tracks. Logano
0: probably shoots up, too. Okay, so, so let me let me actually look at this here. So Logano is currently sitting fifth. In, oh, excuse me, sixth in total points. He would move up to third. Okay, that's a lot. But Kevin Harvick would stay stagnant at a seventh place position in both cases, with or without the five hundred and fifty horsepower races. Hmm. So,
2: what happens to? I want to know what happens to like Alex Bowman. I know uh, Bowman's Alex, too.
0: Alex Bowman, um, he is in sixteenth um, without the 550, and with Ooh. with the 550, he's in. Fourteenth, so he only dropped two spots, and then for a Ryan Blaney, he goes from third to fifth. So it, it's, not it's not bad. So they're pretty good on on both types of tracks. I do want to to ask Jared about this. Being a Kyle Busch fan, obviously you have a little bit more. Um, I guess, um, knowledge into what exactly is going on just because I feel like we all follow our drivers harder than our not favorite drivers. So, being the fact that he moves from fifth in the standings to 12th in the standings without 550 tracks, is that because A, um, this is sort of like the trucks, uh, that he has dominated in so far, uh, in his career, or B, is it just because the 550 package doesn't necessarily require practice like the 750 could
3: I'd like to say maybe a combination of both and what you mentioned personally I think what they did especially after last year when had the season that he had where he just wasn't running well at all maybe they've put more focus on those 550 tracks because you look at the playoffs you know that final round there is two like two two out of the three races are 550s And this year at the short track, you know, everyone says Kyle Busch is like one of the short track kings, but you look at some of the races he's had, he hasn't really had much success at there. Like I I know he was like kind of invisible in both the Richmond races. He had that issue at Dover earlier in the year, Nashville, he wasn't really running well. Martinsville, he just wasn't really there. Uh, Bristol, I was actually kind of like surprised when how well he or how he didn't run that well at the end of the year but like you look at some of the results he's had at the mile and a half this year he's actually i think he's done better because you know i'm expecting like especially after last year like oh he's just going to finish like outside the top 10 but there's been some races you know where he was actually competing like he won at kansas earlier this year which i was surprised on i wouldn't have bet that i know he was close almost won atlanta which another track i wasn't yeah. expecting him to go well so i don't know if like with the new crew chief change i don't know if maybe they put more of their focus on those 550 races rather than the short tracks and I think like practice wise and stuff, you know, Kyle Busch has always been good with practice. Like we all knew that with Adam Stevens, like he would have a car on Friday practice, qualify and then they'd have enough time to adjust throughout the race and the weekend. And then you'd have your 2017, 18 Kyle Busch type where he's up front and actually leading laps. But we haven't really seen that from Kyle Busch. And I think having that lack of practice time has really hurt him because, you know, you roll up a car Sunday and by the end of stage two, like Kyle's finally maybe finding his car. And then at that point, it's like too late at that point.
1: Um, Yeah. You know, I'm not going to look too much into it because I okay. feel like with the 550, it kind of hinders drivers' abilities anyway. Um, we know this package doesn't take a whole lot of skill. Um, we know that it's incredibly hard to pass regardless outside of restarts. Um, so, I mean, other than the outliers like a Kyle Bush who dropped significantly with these 550 or without these 550 races, um, I just kind of take it with a grain of salt because I don't look forward to them anyway. And I really. I have a hard time counting them in my head as real races, anyway. Um, I think guys like Larson are just—I mean, Larson and Hamlin are just so good at driving cars in general um, that they'll pretty much do good in anything, um, regardless of the package. Um, just give them a little bit of time to figure it out. Um, guys like Kyle Busch, I think the crew chief change is definitely part of the reason for that. Um, like Jared alluded to, kind of switching the focus from the 715 from the short tracks. Two of those 550s where, I mean, we're talking about over a third of the schedule is 550 races. Um, Well, about a third. Um, But, I mean, yeah.
3: Here, I'll, I'll get. The, I'll add another point I kind of missed real quick. Kyle Bush said on his radio, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet or whatever. Like, first off, he did, like, I guess he put out Steve O'Donnell's email. I don't know if you guys all saw that comment. They never or- said
2: that publicly, did
3: they? No, I don't think they did. And they probably kind of trying to cover that up. But so I'm expecting he'll probably get like a pass through penalty of some sort next week just because he said something like that. I guarantee you I'm calling it right now. It happened at Richmond after he bashed the something and I knew that was coming at Richmond like, oh, there it is. But I think he quoted the new package like an accordion style racing. I think you got like, that's a really good way to put it that I never really thought of putting it, but like that, you kind of go back to the Atlanta race. I think he, even with Ross Chastain getting in the way, I think if it's a seven hundred and fifty race, I think he still wins that race because he'll actually be able to maneuver his car rather than have to fight the air and the lap traffic. And even like Michigan too, like I know Brian Blaney won and he pushed him to the win, but I think. You get a 750 race there where he can actually yeah. throttle it and stuff. I think Kyle Busch could have made that a race also. So that's just the one point I wanted to bring up with the accordion style.
2: Yeah, I think he makes sense because if you watched the Kansas race last year, you know someone I think it was burdened, it's Burton. like, oh, did Logano get too far out in front? Because it seems like Harvick every time he would run right up on him, he'd fall back, and it would happen over and over and over and over again, and. To your point with Bush, I think is right, because he's really good at the style of racing. I just think he doesn't like it. I don't blame him, because you look at him as a driver, he's naturally like, you think of like Bristol or Richmond or whatever tracks that he's good at. So like the team probably made like massive improvements on 550 tracks, and you compare that to the other JGR teams that last year were the opposite. They were really good at 550 tracks and really bad at 750 tracks. Like, you know, like Hamlin in particular, he had a massive uptick on the 750s. Truex is still pretty good on 750s on the flat ovals. So I I don't know. Like, I think it's just a point of the team had found an area they had to get better at. And Kyle Busch, he's going to do well in it, whether he loves it or hates it. Like, I don't think the fact that he hates it has any effect on his performance.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. This was, this was just a question I had just because I know that when we came out with this package, a lot of people put Kyle Bush on the forefront of it because uh, it's similar to trucks. We're going to have a lot of dirty air. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then to be honest, he's not really been a factor at 550 tracks the whole time, in my opinion we went to this package, and 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 different people might have different you know opinions on that. But I mean, he's definitely been a different Kyle Busch since that happened, and of course the practice and stuff like that. But we'll get into that probably a little bit later. But um, before we move on to to Colton's next topic, um, I did want to add some people even want to say that plate tracks don't require skill and are just luck based, kind of like their same argument going with the five fifty. So I did want to say. From 929 points to 860 points, that's the the separation if you take the 550s away from from Hamlin and Larson. Obviously, Hamlin having that big of a lead is significant. But when you take away the four plate tracks, that lead goes down to four points from Hamlin over Larson. So what do you guys think about that? Because that's really the biggest move there.
2: I think it's just Kyle Larson has terrible luck on plate tracks. Like I literally cannot remember a single race – from Daytona or Talladega where he did not get taken out. Like maybe 2019 Daytona 500 is like one of the few times that I can ever recall him not being taken out and like everything else just crash, 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 crash. Like I, I can't, I can't even name you a second plate race he finished.
3: 2017 Daytona 500 with Kurt Busch won. He was close to winning.
2: Yeah. He almost finished that one yeah. too. But no, you mean, I guess. <laughs> that's like, wow. That's, that's two. I'm like, yeah
3: I, I i think kyle larson is just good at races that don't require drafting and you see that he's really good at obviously all the dirt cars that he runs and stuff and 750 races that aren't plate races he's done good at this year also so i think that's just a, his driving styles he's not like a restrictor plate type of guy and that's why i think we see denny hamlin's really good at those especially like you know last year with he racked up all those wins and even like this year now towards the end of the season, he's starting to do good, but you know, three time Daytona 500 winner. He's like one of the best plate racers we have. And it's transitioning a little bit now to that 550 package, but like Kyle Larson, like you said, with him not being able to finish those tracks, I just think that driving style is just not for him.
1: Yeah. So to the, to that point that I see a lot of fans make is that the super speedway races um, take no skill and they're all luck. I think it's both skill and luck. Um, a lot right. of people, it's just a
2: lot more luck, right?
1: Yeah. I think the, the argument that I see the most is well, anyone can win those. Well, if anyone could win them, we shouldn't see team Penske, yet. Penske, absolutely dominated Talladega. We shouldn't right. see Denny Hamlin. have three day twenty five hundreds 500s in the last six seasons. You know, we shouldn't see guys like Michael McDowell constantly running up front. We should see a Cole Custer win one. And then Eric Jones win another one. And then this guy, that guy, that guy, they should be different winners every time. If anyone can right. win them. You know, that's, and we shouldn't see the same 10 guys always running up front and fighting for the lead. Um, I think so it's just, it's skill and luck because you still yeah, have to be lucky sure. enough to be in the right spots at the right time right. to avoid the big wrecks. That's, you know, that's, that's a big factor here. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah.
2: Go ahead. That's Nate. how I think, that's how I think it always goes. Like, I don't think it takes no skill and I don't think it takes 100% luck either, but I think it does take a lot of luck because there's no real way to like, strategize for those races. It's almost like, I, I just hope that I'm in the right place at the right time. Like you could do everything correctly and you're just not in the right place at the right time. And you're not going to win the race. You can see, I know Larson, I don't think he's not talented at it. I mean, he's won Xfinity races told him before. So, you know, I don't think it's a matter of that he can't drive him. It's just a matter of one, his luck is so bad that he's probably never finishing another race there without a crash for the rest of time. And then, two, he probably doesn't seem to – he probably doesn't like it, like Jared said. Like, if he just goes there to get wrecked, then I don't see how he's going to enjoy it because I think – you think back to, like, 2015 on the radio, he said that, I don't understand why I come here. I hate this place. All I do is wreck. Because, all like, he'll just be running in the middle of the pack and just get taken out. So, I just think he doesn't
0: look forward to him. Yeah. I mean – I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thing. Obviously, all of these topics are polarizing with a bunch of people, but the thing that has everything in common is that these are lower horsepower packages, but they take place on a certain type of track, and I think, I think Colton might have something to talk about with tracks.
1: Yeah, so my beef with the playoffs is the playoffs, okay? My second beef with the playoffs is the playoffs. My third beef <laughs> is the kind of fucking tracks that we have in the playoffs. Texas is notoriously one of, if not the worst track in the entire series of NASCAR. Um, What is it doing fourth race from the end of the year? Um, Kansas, I'll give a pass. Kansas is solid at best most of the time. Um, Vegas, what is it doing in the playoffs? Why do we still have these tracks that are notorious for not producing good finishes over the last five to seven years in the (laughs) playoffs? This is supposed to be the time where you get peak ratings, NBC. This is supposed to be the time where NASCAR is trying to push through and, you know, all this drama, drama, drama. Why are we putting these snoozers on there? Because we're going to watch next next week. And Kansas, like I said, Kansas is all right for the 550. That's the one track that I think this might work on, but I don't even – I'm not even 100% sold on that even. Um, but why are we putting these shit tracks? I'm not a huge Richmond fan. I liked it better when Richmond was the cutoff race because I feel like the drivers raced harder, and that's kind of what made Richmond so good. Um, take that one out of the playoffs. Give me Bristol. Give me Martinsville. Give me the Roval. Give me Talladega. Um, I'm glad they're moving Homestead back in, but, man, we got to do something about some of these shit races that we got.
3: I think they need to do a lot better at maybe scheduled placement. I mean, if they're going to keep them, which they probably are, and you see next year they are <laughs> – it's funny because we always get like some sort of drama to happen. And then guess what? We get to go to Texas or like, we had all that drama at Bristol building up. We had a lot of good weeks of racing in a row and then, Oh, here's Las Vegas guys. You know, a lot of people yeah. may be tuning in because we got a lot of storylines or <clears throat> Excuse me. Even like last week at the Roval, you know, there's a bunch of storylines from that race. And then guess what? Oh, hey, uh, there's Texas next week. You know, let's let's get all these new viewers who might tune in. You know, they're trying to push the story of like Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick, and then they go to Texas. Like you're all these storylines are getting built up, and then you go to a snoozer of a racetrack, and all the new fans that maybe tuned in and be like, oh, there's some drama happening. Oh, it's just Texas. Yeah, well, I
0: think uh, I. Th- Yeah, I think fundamentally having the playoffs kind of puts NASCAR in a bind with the way that the tracks and the schedule goes, and that just makes for just a whack system. Yeah, I mean, um, for me, it it could be as easy as just having the chase back because we have ten pretty much very different races other than than the fact that we have three 550s. But, I mean, I mean... What are we doing? We have two rounds that are just banger after banger, aside from the Las Vegas, like we've said. And then you have the round, the penultimate round, getting into the final four be two boring ass tracks and Martinsville. Although Martinsville's good, there's gonna be drama there. But getting to Martinsville is not really a drama maybe field two weeks. And then Phoenix.
3: Maybe they did that on maybe they did that on purpose, you know, yeah. just give, give us two loser tracks and like, Oh hey, we got we got Martinsville
0: I, I do
2: this point that I have i don't like seeing people say that you know kansas is a terrible racetrack because it's put on good races before the 550 package came along and i i don't like people saying oh vegas is terrible racetrack because go back to the last vegas race before the 550 race that was like the best vegas race there ever was yeah like all these tracks are multiple groups progressive banking they're rougher they make for good racing in any car except for a cup car and i don't think we should it's i think we should change the package before we change the tracks because these tracks there was nothing wrong with them in the ten race chase and then the five fifty package came along. Like
0: I'll take you one just, step higher there, Nate. There was nothing wrong with Texas and we fucked it up.
2: Yeah, and that's another point. I think <laughs> like what I know Colton thinks I'm wrong, but like these are tracks that are perfectly fine. Like that's what the chase is about they wanted to showcase driver strength, team strength, all that stuff, and now you take that away. They took away like an entire aspect of what a mile and a half is supposed to do. And now all it shows is how good the team is and not how good the driver is. And if you were to take that away, these tracks would probably all put on good races. And I'm not even excited for Homestead next year because it's a 550 race and it's October. So it's going to be 60 degrees and it's probably not going to be the Homestead we're used to. Yeah.
1: Atlanta used to be an absolute banger in the chase. And to that point, Texas, Texas, Eh, once every four or five years put on a really good race in the chase yeah
2: like texas was never great but like it went from like all right to terrible
0: yeah yeah so i mean like you said i i'm a mile and a half truther i think you know i grew up on speedway racing i think speedway racing is the way to go i think it's the nascar way and i think it can be great if we have good race cars to put on the track but Come on, guys. I mean, you ruined it by having two separate bankings on two separate corners. I don't know who thought that was going to be a good idea. They did that shit at Kentucky, too. It's not even on the schedule. So if we're all lucky, either they'll spend a couple million dollars to tear up one and two and repave it and put it back the way it was prior, or we won't have Texas on the schedule anymore and we can build something else somewhere else um, that has much more personality. Man, I I don't know that that that, that racetrack is the 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 ruining moment for me. And then and then we go to Phoenix, and it's just what's the point? There's no point for Phoenix. Um. So I mean, yeah, um, I mean,
1: why why do we neuter ourselves with all the drama? If anything, let's put the five fifties at the beginning of the playoffs. Get those the F out of the way and then kick off a few really good races in a row, get that drama built towards the final race.
0: Right. Or if they really wanted to, to make this a thing, I, I vote that we either make the round of four, a three-race round, and have a big track, a short track, and then end off at Phoenix. Um, or we just f- flip the wild card race, the, the winner-take-all race, to the first round, and have anybody who's not in the top 10 in points raced in to the round of 12 and the top two at that race wins, you know, wins their spot at a fucking crazy race of the Southern 500. And then you've got a three race final round. I'm not sure. I'm not sure.
3: Interesting. I like that. Anyway, we just what we need to do. We need to actually all sit down and just do our, like our ideal schedule. And we could do an episode of that in the off season, see what we all think of and, how we would want to play off format if we want to do that or how the playoff should be, or shouldn't be. And some, just some notes that I'm talking off of right now, but you know, see, we can't even think of anything. Cause this is fun play, playoff yeah. and package stuff just threw yeah. us off. It's so bad.
0: So, uh, so what did you have to bring for the, for us tonight, uh, Jared? All right. So
3: let's, let's bring in some, playoffs and qualifying stuff. All right. I know it's a big thing that we've all been complaining about and seeing on Twitter. And now it's just every single week. I think I put, I think I put it on Twitter. I'm like scheduled tweet because I saw the same picture. And it's like, Oh, Kyle Larson has been awarded the poll. I'm like, he didn't really win the poll. He got calculated as the poll. So like, I think that kind of doesn't really give the big meaning as much as it used to. And I just want to say like, I don't know why we can't literally run two cars at a time, you know, like once the drawn first car gets to like turn three, then throw the other car out there depending on the track, of course, but like world of outlaws does it, they can do one lap, two lap qualifying. I know it's a shorter, shorter tracks and shorter series and stuff, but you get the point here, but is it really fair that, I know the playoff guys are in the playoffs, but like, wouldn't it make it a little bit more interesting to see those guys spread out throughout the field, depending on what kind of car they bring rather than what we're at. We're at the final eight. Those eight guys just start one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, you have some playoff driver like Joey Logano; He's He blew his engine. So, but he's still going to start eighth next week. You know, like I think either keep the formula, how it is and just don't cater the playoff drivers or just how I don't see, I don't see the problem with one, one lap, qualifying, like there's really no downside. It's going to take half an hour. at Most, you can do that pre-race. You can do that Saturday when they get there or Sunday morning, like whenever it won't take long. It's just too late. Even if you want to do one lap, maximum 40 cars, you're going to get done in half an hour at max. I just don't understand why we can't have qualifying and stuff because they just did say at Phoenix for the championship race, there's going to be qualifying in practice for all three steers But if it's the playoffs, why can't it be for every race? You know, you want the best, you want the best, the best, you want the best, the best drivers, right? So why can't we see those best drivers make their way up if they have a bad qualifying lap or something?
2: I think, I think the toughest part about Qualifying is how much the 550 package ruined it on any track a mile above. Because if you look at 2019 when they had it, you would see like the RCR cars were qualifying the pole like every single week, and then they would fall to like 20th because they all set up for qualifying, they would trim out and they wouldn't put any downforce on the cars. And it's like, well, and with how NASCAR's leaning next year, like they're gonna do a qualifying, like a practice qualifying joint session or whatever, and like no adjustments. Like it's almost that's almost going to make teams not want to set up for qualifying if they can't change over between qualifying and race setup. So it's like they kind of put themselves in a box to where it's like, how are we supposed to like how are we supposed to qualify if it if it's all car and it's not if the driver doesn't matter anymore because you're just holding it wide open.
0: Yeah, and and. Some of the format and stuff I think we can get into in, in, in a second, but I did want to kind of bounce off of Jared's initial point with the playoffs and stuff. Bob Hockras uh, tweeted that NASCAR might want to um, cushion the playoff drivers to have good pit selection, and in his opinion, that they needed to uh, have stage points uh, available to them. So I'm going to bring a sarcastic car uh, comment that I made earlier this season when we did the sarcastic car episode. Um, Bob, uh, no, no. No uh, offense. I forgot the word offense. Yeah. Uh, To you, NASCAR, uh, plenty of offense to you. Um, If you really want to make the playoffs drama field, make sure that this, uh, the uh, little system that you got going for qualifying with the previous week's result, fastest lap and all that stuff, make sure it is in favor of everyone not in the playoffs and put the playoff guys in inverse order at the back. Ooh, so if you're I like really that. going for a, a fair game when we're having people fail inspection and go to the back anyways, that, you know, messes with that. Go ahead and send all, all 16 of them, all 12 of them, all eight of them, and all four of them to the back. Make them earn that first stage points. Make them earn stage two points. and Make them earn the win. Um, but in, in a second argument to that, um, that – impairing those guys the guys that do go to the back are usually in the top 10 by the end of stage one anyways because you give them a free competition caution to uh to get set up changes and other stuff done so yeah
1: yeah so i was actually taking notes on my phone because you guys brought up a few really good points that i'm going to touch on here um with qualifying at phoenix barring one of the top four drivers wadding their shit up and qualifying are we going to see all four of them start one, two, three, four? Probably. Decent chance. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, NASCAR yeah. won the poll, I think, 2017, 2018 at Homestead.
1: I mean, NASCAR can fudge those numbers because if no one's watching on TV, even if they are, you're not going to be able to tell the difference in the cars on TV. The only people that are going to be able to tell are the ones sitting at the track. And even at that, you're not going to tell a tenth or two, right? Um, so, yeah. Top four are going to start one, two, three, four. NASCAR is going to say, wow, look at this. Our four championship guys are the fastest ones here, Um, which is complete bullshit. I mean, they're really just doing this to kind of wave, you know, the cookie in front of our mouth and say, look how cool qualifying is. Um, I miss the days of drivers qualifying on a trim setup and holding their breath during two laps of qualifying. We've heard tons of drivers say back in the mid-2000s that during the two laps of qualifying that they had, they didn't breathe once and they almost passed out just because the cars were so on edge, they were so fast. Um, I, miss, I really miss that. I really miss watching qualifying and seeing one or two guys every week backing in the fence because they were trying to push it way too hard for a spot. Um, as much as teams probably don't like to see that, fans, fans love it. Um, and, I mean, F1 has qualifying. How many people do they have? When they took away qualifying, it was originally because they didn't want as many people out in the garages and on pit road and stuff like that. They're trying to save personnel for contacts and things like that. What's the excuse now? Most of the garage is vaccinated, if not all of it. Um, F1 does qualifying. IndyCar does qualifying.
0: Yeah, and to your point, point? let's let's quantify this a bit because we're not talking about next year's 20 to 30-minute practice session and then (laughs) a single lap of qualifying. We're talking about Formula One going out there and do two 90-minute sessions, a 60-minute session, and a 60-minute qualifying session. That's how much practice and qualifying the FIA gives Formula One teams, and they've been doing it the whole pandemic. Um, if you look at IndyCar, varying uh, they're d- differently between oval and road courses, but they usually get 90 to 120 minutes of practice plus they get – Qualifying as well, whether that's single car on the ovals or three rounds of 25, uh, 12, and six minutes, I believe. Um, V8 supercars are about to get ready to get on track for the uh, Bathurst 1000 in December, and they are going to have about eight hours of practice. What's what? What's the excuse? I don't get that. I would say like the only thing
2: that makes me. Like, it's a little bit less upset about this. It's like I said, it's the package. Like, I remember when 2019, when we had qualifying, people said that the 550 package ruined qualifying. There's no point in watching qualifying if they're just going to hold it wide open, and that's it. So it's like, if we bring it back, there's still a fundamental problem, and it's the car over everything else.
0: You know, maybe it's almost almost like the car ruined everything, (laughs) Huh? No. Ah, well, all, Let's back we' to my point
3: we're all tying that in hey maybe if we have yeah. pra- practice and uh qualifying and stuff you know maybe you don't have instances where Joey hand gets into a playoff driver making his first career start at yeah. the roville a couple weeks ago so that's that's another thing but yeah since you brought this up here uh are we going to the next topic yeah Sure. All right.
0: All right. So any,
3: anyways, so let's get into the next topic. Alex kind of uh, brought this to my attention in his comment that he made off of my, my uh, topic, original topic. Should failing inspection be more? of a harsher penalty. Cause like, come on now, like you're, you're starting the guy in the back who obviously kind of, you know, tried to push the limits, try to make their car faster. You know, we saw it again with your reigning champion, Chase Elliott, where, Oh, if you're on inspection, guess what? You're starting in the back. And then by almost the end of stage one, he's back in like the top five again. So should there be, I'm asking you guys just out of the blue, not trying to be biased or anything against a singular driver. We can even go with the Joe Gibbs guys. Cause true X is one to fail inspection also. So let's just say like, if you fail inspection, should you be like maybe held a lap or something, or should we just be like, ah, oh, let's start in the back? You're fine because, like, that kind of just tells me, like, hey, let's just try to push these cars and try to push the boundaries as much. Because, like, oh, the worst case scenario is we'll just start in the back. You know, we saw in the championship last year where Chase Elliott failed inspection. Like, oh, he's winning the championship. His car is going to be faster than everyone. So, should there be something there? Because I feel like starting in the back really doesn't mean anything if you already failed inspection. So obviously, you've done something where your car is probably going to be up in the front by the end of stage one. <laughs>
2: I'm going to say the toughest thing about these is that I don't think anything's ever going to make teams stop pushing the boundaries. Like, mm-hmm. every, like if you're not cheating, you're not trying. In the sport. Absolutely. I, I'm also a thing is like, if you fail inspection, they never really specify what it's for. So like, you know, is it like, Hey, this guy's blatantly cheating or is it, Hey, this guy is one one thousandth of an inch out of tolerance in this particular area. You know, something that was like, something that can happen just by a damage, you know? So I don't want to like, I don't know how to how to like describe it i think that
3: if you fail it maybe okay let's let's say let's backtrack if you fail it more than twice or something do you think there should be some sort of ramifications because you see In guys that fail
2: um Harvard got a pass through at Bristol one year for like failing it three or four times and like that cost him like two or three laps because of Bristol being a shorter track but that's tough like I think I don't mind it but I do think that teams are, they're going to keep pushing it, whether it's like a lap penalty or whether it's just going to the back.
0: Yeah. So the interesting thing I think about what you're asking with that question is what's the punishment? How do you quantify going over a limit a certain amount of times just by a certain tolerance? Like Nate said, what's the what's what, i mean what do you do a monetary fine is not going to do anything for the race a suspension is not going to do anything for a championship because you're going to a new season um and if you tell someone that they're going to be a lap down uh, well we've got a competition caution in lap 25 their lucky dog like what what is it is it is it that you have to be a lap down but you have to race a certain amount before you can be eligible for a lucky dog um or you have to take a wave around only H- how do you do that without getting more rules on top of rules on top of rules to make it to where you know we're already mad that we have all this bullshit with you know caveats with the playoff system well we get mad at the yellow line rule so are we going to get mad because chase elliott is a lap down because he failed inspection three times and he can't get it back because he can't get the lucky dog because he's ineligible until stage two. Like The fact that I just said that whole sentence is going to be hard to put off uh, towards new fans that are watching the broadcast for the first time.
3: Yeah, maybe it's something where you tell them, like, hey, this is what they failed inspection for or something. Because, like Nate said, you don't really – you rarely do you see, sometimes they'll say, but a lot of the times you're like, oh, we just failed inspection. Like, they don't really say specifically, like, what for or anything. So I think that's something you could look into consideration also. That's just a thought, food for thought I threw out there.
1: It absolutely needs to be stiffer. If you go to any local track and you fail um, inspection more than twice, they're probably not going to let you race. Um, they did it at my local track. If you went in and you were setting up to race and you had something that they didn't like in your car, you had one chance to fix it. Other than that, you're going home. Um, now I'm not saying you can fail inspection once. And after that, NASCAR is not going to let you race because obviously charter system and things like that, they're going to have everyone race that they can that shows up. Um, but I think if you fail inspection twice, um, one lap penalty and a pass through, make it stiffer, um, and eject the crew chief. You fail inspection three times, your crew chief's gone for a month, or something along those lines. You know, you you know, throw in the lap penalty plus the pass through again. Um, do something else to make it make teams not want to push the boundaries as hard. I get it, it's racing. We're always gonna find, you know, little ways to get around it. Um, but what I don't like is that when Chase Elliott got sent to the back last year, everyone on Twitter said, Well, he's gonna win this race because they did. found something. Yeah, and he did. And I think to some degree NASCAR just kind of says "fuck it, you're good, go," right? They don't have well. You see, like you principles. alluded
0: to earlier, you 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 see what NASCAR put itself in its own box. I mean, you, we coined the phrase earlier. You said NASCAR ruined NASCAR. I mean, you put the charter system out there. Every every one of those thirty six drivers and, yeah. and cars gets to go on the racetrack, regardless. So. No. I mean, you can show up with a cheated car, and you still get to go. So, at, at what point? How do you well, how do you come back? There's there? a point.
2: There's a point that I think a lot of people are missing with this, and it's a car can show up out of tolerance, but it has to get back into tolerance. So, like if and a guy fails inspection twice and goes to the back, they still have to get it through in the third time, and they still have to get it right. So it's not like it's not like they're just leaving it cheated up. If you know what I mean. Yeah, so, but they never go through a fourth time. And I, th- Kevin I can Hart think of one like instant. Yeah. That, that, he, got like a, he got literally, he got like a two-lap penalty.
1: And, yeah, I mean, so let's say I flare out, you know, the rear end a little bit more to give me some more yaw, um, give me a little bit more side force. Who's to say with three laps to go, I'm not just going to kind of touch the wall a little bit and kick that in. I mean, that, that's the thing. That's going to happen every time.
2: Like, that happened in 2016 with the right. Transformer cars, where they would be back and forth. I remember also race 2017, Adam Stevens told Kyle Bush, you have to do your burnouts to the right. I don't know what for, but it's probably something to offset in their grand. So, like, hmm. I, I do think that it would, it would still happen regardless, because I think no matter how hard you inspect, teams are going to find ways to, to be able to get, get something to the way they want it during the race and then hide it after the race. Yeah, yeah. That's the toughest thing.
1: Yeah, and that goes to the the absolute marvel of engineering that was the Kevin Harvick window at Las Vegas.
2: Yeah. Man, that was <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. Dude, yeah. You the Daryl Walsh report where he had, like, the lead pellets in his roll
1: bar. You'd like, pull yeah. the trigger yeah, under true. the jack, and they would all just fall out. Yep. I miss the good old days where if guys were cheating, they just blew the motor up after winning the race. Yeah. <laughs> You're like – Let's get back to real cheating. Screw these air games.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we're going to have even less uh, ability to cheat next year. All the parts are spec. All the bodies are going to be spec. So we're not even going to have the ability to cheat anything but really the engine because even the suspension and everything, our, our customer made parts. So, like, I mean, well, I, I don't how long know. Until, I mean,
1: that's a- how long until Hendrick pays those guys a little bit more to give them some part that's this much out of tolerance?
0: Well, as far as we know, Rick Hendrick is an honest man, and he doesn't cheat in NASCAR. So yeah, he's, he's definitely never
1: know. been to jail for fraud. He's definitely yeah, never really
2: been not. under suspicion for killing a guy.
3: Yeah. When you see, you yeah. see, they hired Chad Canales as like their chief engineer guy now. So oh, yeah, he's, no, never, he's, he's never, he's,
0: he's never, he's never, he's never had any issues he, in his Chris career. Johnson enough. won all seven of those championships, honestly, and with entire No, yeah, yeah, nope. we all know that. Yeah. Um, you're not, not, not,
3: but, uh, not like he's been suspended or anything. So
0: but if we, if we do want to talk about honest people, I think Nate, your, uh, your, your topic comes with an honest person as well.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I was doing some stat research the other night on Mark Martin because I like Mark Martin. And honestly, like the more you look at it, I kind of wish drivers, whoa, that shirt. Um, I wish drivers were more like him nowadays because. You look at how he went about his career. Like, he was pretty professional. You know, he never really wrecked anybody. He never really got in any fights. He just kind of did his thing he was super consistent. He was good at every type of track. You know, I think the only guy that kind of makes me think of him is Truex in terms of the way that he just, he doesn't do anything on the racetrack. Like how many times do you see Truex ever wreck a guy on purpose? You know, he just does his thing. doesn't, that's it. So I, I kind of enjoy that.
1: Jared, what
3: do you got? Yeah, I, I'd kind of agree with that. I can't, like, now I was trying to think of something that Truex has even done, and I,
1: I can't, can't really, he's I never can't, been the wrestler.
3: I really can't think of anything. And even, like, all the scuffles and stuff he's been in, it's not like, he. he, he ever, it's him. not, it's not like he, he in one, he doesn't start him, and two, it's not like he ever does anything about it. I know he was, like, all talk after the Joey Logano Martins or, he's like, yo, oh, he's not winning the championship. And then we go to, go to Homestead, and I see the cameras, no, like, he goes, he goes right past him, like,
2: like mm-hmm. I, I think it's the reason I think Mark Martin deserves a lot of respect is that you look at Truex at Homestead, he could have destroyed Logano if he wanted to, and he chose not to do that. Like I he think, chose, hey, if I'm, I'd rather to lose the right way than win the wrong way. And I, I think Mark Martin, yeah,
3: yeah, I think he just has a standard for himself. Like, all right, I'm yeah. going to race this way, and yeah, regard right. regardless of what happens, and, you know, like he's, he's 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 just one of those guys. Like, yeah, he'll whine and talk about all that stuff, but still, he's just gonna. He it's, never, yeah, he on never, scene. yeah he, like i've honestly like like now that you're thinking about it, i i can't even think of any time that he's ever just intentionally like gone out there and just wrecked someone because he was mad about something because like we can all go with all our favorite drivers and stuff and they've definitely been a part of something but i can't think of any time with truex where he's really just gone out of his way to oh i'm gonna end your day or i'm gonna be like kevin or kevin harvick and yeah wreck- and-
2: I think, like I said, the thing that made me appreciate Mark Martin is some, I know I watched Martinsville from 2018 pretty recently. It's like, you see Truris, he took like 30 laps to pass Legato clean. And like, it takes a lot of effort. And you look at Mark Martin, he's lost a lot of races being nice. And there surely there's gotta be some temptation inside of him. It's like, man, if I just move this guy out of the way, then I win the race. You know, if I just door this guy or I just get into him a little bit, he never really did that. And it's like, it's gotta take a lot of restraint to not only set his own little like moral code, but to live by it. Because it's one thing to say that you're not going to hit somebody, and then it's another thing to actually not hit somebody when it's the last lap. So it's like, I kind of okay. have to admire that. Like, he, he pretty much lived by a code that most people can't.
3: Yeah, I yeah. think that, I think that's why he was so upset about Joey Logano because yeah. he took all that time Absolutely. just just for and Joey like when I go back to this now like Joey Logano obviously what it wasn't really a dirty by him it was just short track racing but I think it was just the fact that it just happened so quickly and of course it was yeah. like at the end of the race but it's like if Truex would have done that or maybe punted him a little bit harder moved him at least a little bit harder he wins the race but I think yeah. he was just kind of hoping that'd it be the same way but it's also you have to look at it like oh, it's just short track racing that's what happens at Martinsville, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, obviously, uh, as you can tell by me wearing this shirt, like every three uh, episodes, because it's my favorite shirt. Mark Martin was my favorite driver prior to uh, him retiring in 2006, when I had to figure out who was going to be my next driver. That was when Denny Hamlin swept Pocono and all that stuff. That's how I became his, his fan. But I mean, you guys talk about the code that Mark Martin has, but Mark Martin also, he was so passive that I feel like the reason that he didn't win a championship was because he didn't make points by moving, you know, one or two drivers over the course of a season. Um, And – and that re- is really why he's not a multi-time champion because he he knew how to points race, he knew how to manage a race, he knew how to manage a car, and he could also go out there and be bad fast. I remember uh, guys, maybe it was the Dale Jr. download talked about how he would go out there, post the fastest time in practice, and not be, you know, not be taken aback after, you know, forty-five m- minutes and. 30 drivers come back out, and and his time still stood uh, in practice because he could just be bad fast on the first lap. And I think that it's very rare you see success with guys that are passive like that. And we've only seen two, and they hope both have Martin in their name. Uh, you guys have talked about Martin Trex Jr. being just passive, yeah, But it. this is not a, a trait that is, is is not seen in other, you know, drivers. I look at a Daniel hemrick yeah. He's not won a single race yet. I think he's definitely got the talent to, but because he's so passive in this era of NASCAR, him not I wouldn't being able to rough up guys, I think there's a
2: term. Like I don't think he's passive. I don't think that I don't think that should imply that he doesn't want to win or he's not aggressive. I think it just means that he wants to do everything without touching you. Like he doesn't go over that
0: so I don't know if that's respect or what. I mean, what would we what would the terminology be Like
2: I would just say more respecting cuz it's like he he wants to win the race and he's clearly not passive. Like he will drive the wheels off a car. He will do everything he can to, to beat you except hate you.
3: I think he was just raised. I think he was just raised the right way. You know, you look at the ARCA guys nowadays and there's absolutely none of that none of that stuff anymore. So I think yeah. it was just more of how he was How he was raised and not really living off of your dad's paycheck every week.
1: Yeah. I think why Mark Martin raced with so much respect is because he came from that different era of where guys usually did race with a ton of respect. Um, We never really saw guys completely dump each other that often Um, back in the seventies, eighties, early nineties. It wasn't really until the late nineties, early two thousands, when Earnhardt kind of made it famous um, to just dump someone out of the blue that we really saw it quite a bit. Of course, we saw retaliation here and there, um, and kind of racing incidents, but we never saw someone completely go headhunting. Um, and I think that's that's that to, part of it is the era that he grew up in, um, you know. And also, that was the era where if you did something to my car, I'm going to kick your ass. You know, it's not this whole crews getting involved and TV cameras shoved in your face. You know, especially kind of where he grew up, scrubbing his, you know, kind of busting his knuckles in the late models. Um, you, you didn't do that because everyone paid for their stuff. Um, and that kind of, everything kind of boils back to money. Um, Martin, Martin was one of my favorite drivers when I was a kid, mostly because I thought his name sounded cool when I was a kid, Mark Martin, you know? Um, but I really liked those six cars when they were driving around. So I was kind of kept an eye on him. Um, I mean, he was just a really good dude on and off the track. Um, I really miss watching him race. I still think he could do it, although he's not interested in it.
2: Um, yeah, I
1: don't blame him. Yeah, I don't blame him at all either. I mean, shit, he's pushing sixty, you know. So I mean, <laughs> he's unless still he... in, like crazy
2: good shape.
1: Yeah, yeah. He I mean, unless he was. He he's got some presence check. on social media. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not a big Viagra fan. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say it. Valvoline. Yes. Hey, those those fight that Pfizer Cardinal one looked pretty cool too. You can't lie. The silver and the blue.
3: Oh yeah, that's nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, but, I mean, he was, was sport always a big sponsorship. sponsorship. Yeah. I was always a big Mark fan. I like how he raced. Um, I've watched Slap Shoes' whole series on Mark Martin and all the second, excuse me, second place finishes he got. Um, so, I mean, I always have a soft spot in my hard for.
3: Him. I always yeah, like I Mark. Was cool.
1: Oh, go ahead.
3: Oh, I just like Mark Barton because, like, whenever I was first getting into it, they're like, oh, this is Mark Barton's last season. And then every single year afterwards, like, oh, this is last season, last season. Oh, he, uh, guess what? I'm going full-time with Hendrick. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to go half-season. Oh, I'm going to go full-time with Michael Walter Like, And then, heck, he almost won at Pocono in 2011 that I was that I was at that. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. He almost won the
0: Daytona 500 in 2007.
3: He, he did. I'm like, man, I like Mark Barton. That's kind of cool. Yep.
0: He was the <laughs> Brett Favre of NASCAR. I honestly feel yeah, like the,
2: but, the best quote that like sums up his personality is like when he was racing in the ASA. I want to say I don't know what series it was. Like there was this, the thing where the champions would get number one, and he's like, oh, he he chose to race with number two because he's like, oh, I think it'd be too arrogant to put number one on my car. Yeah, I'm like that's the most Mark Martin thing ever.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. And he won. No, like, he's a really good, good guy. Times. I do not want to say anything. Other than this, you can't discount the man for coming back after 2006. His his 2008 and 2009 seasons were two of the best ever when he was driving for Hendrick. I mean, dude, or maybe it was 20 2009 and 2010. Um, yep. I might have, yeah. It, what what a run! I mean, the the man just went on a fucking tear when he got in that Hendrick equipment.
3: It's funny. A new guy in the five car first year did pretty good. That was, that was kind of because he did go back to the five. He got the five car in two thousand nine and just started racking off wins. And I, I like that car actually. It was still like the old Kyle Bush blue, red, and yellow, and run the pop tart scheme every once in a while. But that was kind of cool. That kind of fit him too, like towards the end of his career, like Mark Martin in the five car. But yeah, that was that was good because that that was in the era that I was like still growing up in and stuff. And it was kind of cool just seeing like Mark Martin come back and. I, th- I remember like the big debacle was he kind of like took Brad Kizlowski because was like originally supposed to be like the new up-and-comer in that five car, but then Mark they like, kind of got Mark Martin and it really paid off for honestly both careers. So that was kind of, that's kind of a cool little tidbit in history back then that I remember following growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, Casey Mears in the five car. I remember yeah,
0: that.
1: Yeah. What the hell was that? Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> think that was
2: a team thing because I know that Kyle Bush didn't mesh so well with Hendrick. You know, he was, like, really young and, like, hot-headed. And I think Bush had, like, a sit-down with Gordon, and they talked about it. And, you know, Gordon's like, yeah, I think you need to go your separate ways. And that was that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Kyle Blossom, I'm glad that he's in the 18, being a Joe Gibbs fan. I think if he wasn't there, they wouldn't have started to slowly step forward to becoming Mm -hmm. that superpower. And Denny Hamlin was, you know, very – Benefit. he was a very big beneficiary of Kyle coming, and yeah, it was
2: Nah, nah, he'd have like, he'd have like 20 more wins if he was
0: <laughs> I don't know, I love yeah. the teammate competition between those two guys, they have done so much like, together
2: I do too, I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to think where, where Denny was before Kyle got here, he was like he was what, third in points as a rookie and then he came to like, he was second in points for like all of 2007, and then the chase, he yeah. kind of nosedived, and I don't know. Like, I just. People yeah, a knack
0: for that in the in the early years of the chase. Of yeah. Just they were, carpet bombing the chase.
2: Their cars would just fall apart too, like engines. Like Kyle Busch's 2008, like he had like three straight mechanical failures. Dude.
0: Uh, we won't chase. we won't talk about how Toyota is the reason that we had the uh, 750 package, uh, and then uh, uh, now the 550 package. But, anyways, uh, so before we wrap this up, um, I know if you're watching on Twitter. Um, they they kind of ruined the Periscope vibe. Um, so we used to be able to see who was watching us. We used to be able to see your comments. Um, I did post under this video if you had any comments to post on the comments of, of the uh, live stream um, so that we could get your stuff in here. So with this wide open concept um, um, going forward, we're going to do these every couple of months um, where we want input from you guys. Um, it's going to be a little bit rougher now that Twitter has kind of, Shaking up the periscope thing to where we can't see live comments anymore without um, going on our phone or in a separate tab or whatever. But we do want to hear from you guys. This is fan fuel. We want to hear fans feel talk, whether it's about motorsport or not. This is wide open coverage. Um,
3: it's TNT <laughs> wide, so wide open coverage.
0: Days, um, but before we go into some off topic non motorsport stuff, I think Colton has one last topic for us.
1: I'm going to give you guys a major reason. This is a hot take. Why you shouldn't watch the season finale at Phoenix.
3: Ooh.
1: Yep. Say no to Foe. No Phoenix, all right? I do not want to see it on your TV. I will give a pass to those whose driver is in the championship for. I mean, I'm like a
2: pseudo Kyle Larson fan. He's like my third favorite driver. So. That's
1: fine. He's locked in. So, I mean, if – your favorite driver isn't in the championship four. I do not want to see it on your TV, and here's why. Most of NASCAR fandom hates the playoffs, right? They right. hate Phoenix being the championship race. Right. Ratings have sank every year since the introduction of the playoffs consistently. They have not risen back up a single year. So take those ratings. NBC is going to see something here, Right. NBC is going to see that the championship race, the championship four, something they built for all season long, is going to have 900,000 people watching it. And they're going to say, what the hell is this? IndyCar gets better ratings. And they're going to work with something. It may take a couple years of absolute dog shit ratings. But I'm saying if 5 million people keep watching it every year, 4 million, it's going to take a long time to Mm -hmm. cut that down. NASCAR is going to keep rolling and keep doing their dumb shit.
2: You know what, Colton, you know what the funny thing, the most NASCAR thing ever would be? Like if they get bad ratings for this format and then their response is like, hey, we know you guys don't like Final Four, so we listened to your criticism. Now we're going to do a Final 12. We have Twelve. 12 <laughs> title for the
3: final Oh race.
0: my God, Nathan, why would <laughs> you home? say Could some you, bullshit like hey, that? don't
3: say that. They're listening. Someone's listening oh here. Yeah. Steve get O'Donnell, if you're
1: watching, oh, don't get any that. fucking ideas. Oh, oh, you know he's already made that idea yeah. before I did. He's got backup okay. plans, yeah.
0: So we talked about it with Graham Ray Hall, how other motorsports see it's illegitimate. I talk to people at work all the time. i work with 12 guys. I've worked with multiple, multiple guys that have moved on from the job. We'll say 15 people. Every single one of them says, I used to watch NASCAR, but. Now, most of those buts come with stages, playoffs, and then the inevitable, and that is retirees um two of those you can fix um the ratings like colton said have been tanking in this final race say no to faux guys like we don't we don't need phoenix Phoenix is a trash race to have the finale because it's it's a single lane there's not really any good racing that happens it's a strategy race and strategy can't happen in a 312 mile race if we have stages so and so you don't get it.
3: You don't even get stage points at those stages. That would at least make it somewhat more like, what's interesting. The point
2: of stages. Like,
3: yeah, every, every stage matters except for Phoenix, the championship I mean, race. Don't, why don't that they just take matter? The
2: stages away. Like, seriously.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Let's see. We we all thought they were going to go wide open when they announced the playoff stages um, in 2017, and they came back and said no because points matter to the guys that aren't in the championship four. That's uh, fine, I mean, but that we're not today. even focusing on that. But, okay, we can just not have a caution. Oh, wait, if we do that, we can show those guys that the better racing happens when there's no stages, but there's still stage points. So we have to change that again. And it's we're, we're this close. I know you can't see me if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, but we're this close, like three millimeters away from NASCAR having to cave in and seeing that all of this stuff that they've done in the last seven years has just ruined the sport. And if we start turning it back around, we'll start turning more heads back towards this way. And that's that's that's, that's kind of say. Cool. I guess go. Colton's brought something up for us.
2: He mentions like it happens every time. Like the final there's like a certain point in the race where the final four are always one, two, three, four. Like you know when it happened, like when Jeff Gordon took the lead and when he was in it and then I mean he finished like think he finished on like, twelfth, but whatever. Um it always happens at least once in every race, and I think Last year they actually finished one, two, three, four. They didn't just run there. Uh, let's they ran there
0: all day. Once once Chase got to fourth, I swear to God, yeah, that was Kurt it. Bush was only the only person in the top five the whole day, whether he was in fifth or third. Jimmy Johnson was there too, I think. Yeah.
3: Yeah, let's go. Go back to twenty seventeen. Kyle Larson's battling Kyle Busch for second, and all of it. You see, like well, maybe like in the final, maybe ten laps or so, you just see Larson fade off and just let Kyle Busch go try to catch Truex. Like, come on now, like
2: that. He would have won that race if he raced.
3: Yeah, but he didn't, and that's what. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like what. What fun is that race to watch? One, two, three, four, and then even the coverage—you know—they'll do go through the field, but it'll just be the four championship guys. Like what the coverage even sucks too, because you know you are just going to be watching those four guys. Like if you are going to do that, if you if you are going to do that, you need to do something with like what college football doesn't have—two channels. You know, have like a championship—you know—have a championship four broadcast, and then have like the rest of the field broadcast. Because you know, if I am like. Yeah, they have. Yeah, any, they do that. Heck, you, heck, you can even do like peacock or something, or what? Something where because obviously, if you're if your playoff guys not in the final four or something. What's the point of being watching? Cause like I didn't watch Phoenix. I'll be honest. I did not watch Phoenix last year because I knew like, I'm not going to see where Kyle Busch is running. I can just check the app because I'm not going to hear about it yeah. at all. I'm not going to know a single thing, you know, they'll do pit stops or whatever green flag pit stops. And you just see the four guys, green flag pit stops, or you see like whenever they go down with like under caution, it's just those four guys, regardless of where they're at.
2: Yeah. I honestly, like I was, kind of bored at that race. I was upset. I'm like, ah oh, cool, we're gonna get a Mickey Mouse champion you know. So I'm like, all right, cool. I don't wanna see the wrong guy win title. I'm like, all right, cool, I'm just shutting T V off with thirty laps to go. I already know who's winning. And yeah, that was,
3: was yeah, that, yeah was that was like the first
2: time I've ever not watched the last laps of the season.
3: Yeah, that, that was like me, too. Like, I, I knew exactly, like like I said earlier in the broadcast, when Chase Elliott failed inspection, I'm like, all right, I know who's yeah, winning the championship, so what's what's the point of watching? Plus, like, three of the four guys I wasn't even big fans of in the championship for, so I knew, like, my odds of this being a successful outcome were very slim, and it just really wasn't worth my time, to. And, heck, I even like Colton's comment that I just put on there. I'd watch a Vince Welch and Michael Waltrip run a broadcast on the other 30 drivers. Yeah. I would watch that. <laughs> Heck, I would watch that. I, I,
0: I don't know, man. Those two guys are trash.
1: They are they are garbage. Are we in agreement that they're probably two of the worst in NASCAR? They're, okay, they're right, so
2: like, I, like, Vince just needs to be a reporter. Like he's an all right reporter, but commentary, like absolutely.
0: Not. Yeah, Vince Welch is is terrible. Um, I think we had Phil Parsons. I don't know why we moved him to Arca and then removed him totally. Um, you've got Jamie Little now who's doing Arca stuff. She's so much better than Vince Welch. I'm oh, I love. That guy her. Out of there.
3: I love her. She does really good coverage. Heck, my favorite broadcasting trio would be like whenever they do, it was like the second stage of Darlington with Dale Jr., Dale Jarrett, and Kyle Petty. I was actually a really big fan of those oh, three. Yeah, yeah. The Andre, or,
2: yeah Dale. Like if you were to like, uh, we need to like the old, like we need the Dale Jarrett, Dale Jr., and then Dale and Dale shit. Yeah, Dale our three needs we need like Alan Bestwick or something. And that's like hey. a trifecta.
3: It's like, yeah,
2: that would be pretty good. Dude, like, or like the ESPN
0: booth, like Petrie and Jarrett.
3: All-star. Broadcast all-stars. Yeah. There
0: you go. So, I uh, I tweeted out a hashtag, say no to Foe. Um, all of the first letters are capitalized, as you do in hashtags, because they have to be continuous. So, if you're watching now, let's start this. Let, let's get this thing rolling. Let's get everyone on NASCAR Twitter to say no to Foe and not watch this Phoenix Championship race. It's going to be trash, so don't waste your time. I'm lucky enough to be at work. Uh, for the two weekends uh, following this weekend. So I don't even get to watch Martinsville, sadly. Uh, but I'm not even going to have the ability to watch Phoenix. And I might not watch it on a replay. I'm probably not going to set the DVR to record. So, um, yeah, hashtag say no to Foe. You need to put um, the so, fine,
3: fine, print, fine print guy only unless your driver's in the championship game. There's an exception.
0: Eh, eh. Um, Man, fuck it, just don't look, watch look, it. is a game of like, chance at that point.
2: Right, I just want the correct driver to win championship. Listen to it, it on Carson,
0: MRN, they're like, beautiful. It's Hamlin, like... Don't don't watch on TV because NBC is basically running this half of the season. Listen to it on MRN because it, their coverage paints a better picture than the pictures themselves. So, you, know. they at least,
3: you at least get interviews from drivers after the race. Right. Where you get like yeah. two or three from NBC and we have to do that stupid front stretch interview and then go to victory lane and interview him again and ask him the exact same questions. But that's besides the, that's besides the point.
0: Hashtag say no to foe. All right, guys. So it is time for part two of wide open. Uh, This is the part where we're going to talk about non NASCAR stuff. And I did not get you guys prepared for this because I just kind (laughs) of wanted to let this thing be ad lib because we we tend to do this well. So, what is what is something crazy going on in your world or in your observation about literally anything that you want to talk about?
2: Ooh, oh, wow. what should we debate? There should be something we should debate.
3: Some fun. Mm, wow, you really threw a curveball at us here.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean we had our we had our Twitter Spaces. What types, types of apps? By the way, What's if you're, debate, listening, you're listening, you're <laughs> listening. We're we're doing Twitter Spaces every Monday around seven seven thirty p.m. We had a chair debate that, that no one listened to and it was amazing. I'm not gonna tell you Yo, about it because, because we 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 invented a new chair and you guys can't learn about it because we're yeah. gonna we're gonna get a patent here. Missed it
1: out. Um I mean as far as what's going on, I mean not a whole lot. I filled you guys in a little bit. My furnace, uh, the thermostat is broken. Yes. And for those of you that do not know, it gets fucking cold in Wyoming for nine months of the year. Um, so I can turn my furnace on. I can go downstairs and flip the actual switch to manually turn it on, but then I have to go downstairs and manually turn it off. So that means at night, either I can run it for eight straight hours and die of heat stroke, or I can keep it off and freeze. Um, so I had a guy come look at it on Monday. He didn't even touch the thermostat. Thank you, Mr. Bees in Cheyenne, Wyoming didn't even do your job. Um, have <laughs> someone else come tomorrow that says they're going to do it. And so, Fingers crossed! I don't have to keep walking downstairs to turn on oh my goddamn furnace.
0: So, do you do you guys not have like a space heater or something? Because I remember my yes. my grandma in her house, she actually didn't have she didn't her house is really old. She didn't have space heaters, but she had like rooms already had prefabricated heaters in them. You not have anything like that? No.
1: Well, I mean, all houses up here have an actual furnace in them, regardless of when they were built. Um, just because, I mean, it gets well below zero in like january february um so you kind of need it we can get like a little space heater but i'm renting this house so i don't really want to go buy a heater just because my landlord's heater doesn't fucking work you know like that's just spending my own money at that point to have something i should already oh. already have who wants to go next you
2: uh, up
3: or- yeah you can go next all right
2: um well, I guess the one like fun thing I did last week was the two oh six part testing. Like I bought like forty minutes worth of practice in one and it was fun, but like I'll be honest, I did not expect the physicality. Like I knew it was gonna be a little bit to step up, but I'm like I was like, okay, cool, I was like twice as much as I expected. You know, I still got like bruises on my knees from the fuel tank <laughs> just like you don't really understand it until you get in one and I felt bad because like if I tell my friends, like, oh, I'm going to go to the go-kart track today, they're like, oh, you know, can I come along? Can I come along? I'm like, no, no, I don't. And they're like, why? I'm like, because I don't want to get hurt. And it's like, eventually, I think people, once they do it, they kind of respect it a lot more. And that's kind of what happened with me. And like, oh, wow, this is like, just think that there are cars twice as fast as that one, too. So it's like,
0: you learn a lot
2: more. And it's like, just the learning curve. and you don't think of these things as difficult, so you get in one and be like, "Whoa!"
0: So you you practice for forty minutes, right? So I got beat yeah. up. Yeah. What what's next? I mean, what what? I mean, what did you learn from that, and where mm-hmm. where is that going to take you with these two hundred six cards?
2: I feel like what
0: I learned is that you have to be a lot
2: smoother than those with the rental cards. Like the rental cards, you can kind of just throw in there. You're wide open through a lot of corners. Whereas these, they're half the weight. They turn better, but as a consequence, they rotate better. So when your cart turns on a dime, the rear end is a lot more likely to step out because there's not much on there and the brakes are a lot more sensitive. So instead of a pedal that goes from, you know, you apply 10% of brake, it brakes 10%. The 206 cart, the way the brakes were set up on this, it's like you could push the pedal halfway down. It wouldn't do anything. Push it 60% down, it doesn't do anything. And it only starts to come in when you're like, all the way down which is kind of tough because like you don't know that point where the the wheels start to hop and you spin so like as of now i'm probably going to try and do like maybe 20 minutes every month or 40 minutes every month just to have fun and learn because the toughest thing is physicality like once you can get that done and the sensation of speed is another thing like it just feels like a rocket compared to the renal carts even though it's the same horsepower it's like it's a tough part to explain but it's just more once you get comfortable with the sensation of speed then then everything kind of you slow everything down everything becomes easier to process and then and then once you can process everything that's when you can focus on like really fixing how you drive the car
0: so are you going to are you going to wind up bracing them like you're doing with your endurance rental carts or, or? Mm-hmm.
2: I wouldn't say racing them just because of the cost. It's like it's three hundred bucks to race one of those carts for a weekend. I'll still race the rental cars endurance, but like I want to do enough practice with the two hundred six carts to where I'm comfortable in them. And then, then once I'm comfortable in those, I can do practice with the Rotax cart, which is like twice as fast as that one. So like you're kind. Of, I'm just like I'm trying to learn how to drive the carts because obviously it's a college kid. I can't really afford to race the carts right now. So like. If I can learn how to drive them now, then when I get out, then I can kind of, like, race them as the money comes.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, but it's fun. Well, like,
2: everyone needs to go try, like, rental cars, two-six cars, whatever it is. Like, go, go have fun.
0: So, ironically, this weekend, uh, I missed Nathan by about two hours. Uh, yeah. I was on the road going to Tampa, uh, and we drove right by Bushnell, which is where he does his karting. And I had no idea it was on I-75, like really like just you turn right off of the interstate if you're heading south and it's right there. I had no idea. So um, I went by because I was going to the I can't think of the name of the amphitheater, but the amphitheater down in Tampa and we went and saw. Jonas Brothers and before you guys laugh that concert was one of the best that I've ever been to um, I, I feel like I like this one more because it was less of a production than the one that um, uh, my fiance Myra and I went to um, because they had to be in a concert atmosphere because they weren't able to come from the ceiling or pop out of a, a box below the stage or have all these pyro techniques or anything and make it like a show it was more of a concert so I respected it more I had a lot more fun um but one thing i did want to shout out is nick jonas was wearing a slim jim number 44 racing Mm -hmm. t-shirt their intro video for the um for the i guess different acts of their uh their concert so i thought that was really cool so nascar had the shirt of that car that jared is showing right there um i mean so it, it's a it's a, it's a fashion trend, I know, um, to have some retro NASCAR stuff. But I appreciate when I see it and seeing it at the concert this weekend. Uh, was I was too giddy in the, in the crowd for, you know, just being at a Jonas Brothers concert. And I was like, ooh, NASCAR. <laughs> because, of course, I would. Um, but I did kind of want to open this up. Um, so I'm a former musician. I was a band nerd, not going to lie. Um, and I love music. I love going to concerts and all this kind of stuff, so I want to kind of branch this out. Um, I'm going to see Slipknot for the first time, one of my favorite bands, and also a favorite band of Ryan Blaney and Bubba Wallace um, this weekend, Uh, and I'm stoked about that. A couple of my favorite bands are um, Foo Fighters and Destructs are two of my favorite bands to go see live. Um, What are you guys' favorite live music acts?
3: Uh. I'm not a big concert I've honestly, I can't tell you I don't go to a lot of concerts nor if I just gotten the chance to go to concerts. but I will say like some of my favorite musicians, I'm a big all-time low fan. I like Green Day uh john Bellion's one of my favorite musicians but other than that like uh, those are just some of like the top ones that i grew up liking. but like a lot a lot of it i'm just more of you know I'd, if i were to go to some sort of concert i'd like to go to some sort of festival you know like i know they have uh firefly down in dover that's close to me and they always get a bigot like a bunch of ass because i feel like i would enjoy i'd get my money's worth if i could see a, a group of different bands that don't play like a whole show like if I went to see a concert itself, I'd have to be, like, heavily invested in that one musician to, like, actually appreciate the whole concert. Whereas if I go to a music festival and see a bunch of different ones, I feel like I'd get more money's worth out
0: of that. So as a seasoned vet, I actually don't like music festivals.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: so I don't, I don't like the number I mean, of I people. Everything. I don't like the fact that you have multiple stages and you have to be where you want to be and you have to sacrifice – seeing good a certain stage because you want to see five artists at one stage rather than three artists here and one artist on the other side of the venue. I hate that. It's fair. Um, festivals are good to find new music though. I will say this, if you go to a band that you really like, you will find new favorite bands. What happened when I found the Struts is we went to a concert at the former Turner Field, now it's GSU uh stadium. Um, in Atlanta for a Foo Fighters concert because they're my favorite band. And these guys we've never even heard of come out and play, and we've seen them I think five times now if you count the virtual concert that we watched a couple of weeks ago. And they are my and my fiance's favorite band to go see together. We've got a pack that we're going to go see them whenever they're 300 miles uh, from us or less, and that's just what we do. So that's how we found that person. I found Gary Clark Jr. the same way, one of my favorite um, artists now um and then with Not fest coming up i've been preparing and i found another band fever three 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 that i've never even heard of and i'm a huge fan of them and i've only been listening for two weeks i haven't even seen them live yet so i would recommend finding one of those core people that you like like if a green day comes around you're gonna spend a lot of money because it's green day um but anybody that's opening for them you're probably gonna become a fan so
3: well actually they actually, were, oh, sorry to interrupt, they actually had a pretty good tour. They had uh, Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer was their, oh, I don't shit. that was their, it's called their Hella Mega Tour. That was actually just touring. I don't think they were around us, but that, that was the three, that would have been something I would like to see, because I do actually like all three of those bands that they have.
0: Those are big bands. Yeah. That would have been a hell of a show. A Hella Mega Show. Yeah. Colton and Nathan, what you guys got? What are your favorite music Ooh. acts?
2: I'm not like a live music guy. Like, I know I'm going to get crucified for this, but like, I'm more of like a, hey, put my AirPods in and listen to music at the gym type person. Like, I'm not. That's like good. Big,
0: it's okay to have wrong. I'm girls. not a big
2: concert man, you know? Like, I don't. Like, I feel like if I'm spending money to go listen to a thing, I'm like, I could literally just listen to my AirPods <laughs> or something like that. that's the know? live like, version. Not as much, like, I don't need to like vibe to the music as much as I just need it. To, I just need to listen to it. And that's it. Like, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm probably saving saving some money that way. <laughs>
1: man i am a huge live music fan um at frontier days every year it's the world's largest outdoor rodeo we get 10 headlining acts every you know for 10 days straight um granted they are mostly country artists so most of what i've seen have been country artists i've been to a couple festivals um i've been to countless honky tonks and seen random ass people playing um so i i'm a huge fan of live music i love watching the musicians and seeing what they're doing because i play guitar right. love to sing um, so, I really, really like to sit down and just watch them and I'll stare at them for two, three hours, however long they're playing. Um, see, that's where I'm. Yeah, I, some I of the best shows. The yeah, some of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, one of them is actually a Christian band named Building 429. Fantastic show. Had never heard them before. I saw them live. I'm a huge fan of them. They had a, one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Um, I really like concerts where they don't just play the hits. Mm-hmm. Um, it is nice to go out and hear a couple hit songs that everyone knows and kind of party along, um, but I really like it when they branch out and play some of the stuff that doesn't get the radio time because um, it, it. I feel like it helps me divulge into the musician more, um, so I'm a big fan of that. Eric Church, he's fantastic. If you guys get a chance to see him, I saw Riley Green play at Talladega, great concert. I mean, I've got too many to list It take me an hour and a half to go through all the ones I've seen and what I'd like and didn't like about them. Uh, Garth Brooks yeah. is a really good show. Um, I mean, you you guys could name probably any country artist, and I've probably seen them at least once. Um, yeah. And you
0: hit on something pretty big seeing the guys that aren't really quote unquote famous yet or, or whatever. Like what I love about that is you can go to a more personal show because I've mm-hmm. been to plenty of stadium shows. I've been to plenty, uh, I've been to a couple festivals. I, I don't like the amount of people there. It's just, a, it's just, it's just music. Um, some of these acts can portray a lot of emotion and it kind of trumps that and you're, you don't feel like you're there with several thousand or tens of thousand people, but those acts that you go see, you know, at your local bar or, you know, your local park or whatever, where there's only 50 to 200 people there. It's so intimate between you and the artist that it's, it's really fun. Um, and I know, yeah. uh, our, our city has, has some concerts like you guys have, um, at your rodeo um, every summer, and and we kind of latched on to a blues, a blues guy, uh, Selwyn Birchwood, um, mm-hmm. that was incredible live. And the passion and the, the, I guess, sadness that came through that guitar while he was playing it just live was just incredible. And that's something yeah. that you can't get without being there with that music.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you touched on the intimacy of, like, the smaller concerts, the bars and things like that. Um, Craig Campbell, if you guys are a fan of country music at all, um, he had a couple radio hits about 10 years ago. Um, and he actually played in my hometown in February and we went to go see him. Um, and he actually, so right. I mean, you're, you could walk right up to him at the concert cause he's sitting there, he's drinking beer at the bar, he's walking around with all the people. Um, and I actually was taking a leak and washing my hands and Craig Campbell walks in, he's peeing behind me. And i Half drunk, and I'm singing the song in the, on the uh, that's playing over the intercom, and he turns around mid-p and like looks at me and goes, "Wow, dude, you're good." I was like, "Ah, oh, cool, thanks." You know, and halfway through the concert, he goes, "I want y'all to sing this song," and he points at me and he goes, "I know you can sing it because I heard you in the pisser." And I was like, yeah. <laughs> So I got a really good picture of me and Craig Campbell cutting it up. Um, that's fucking you know, great. Local bar here, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, so I mean, so- I, I love the I I like the smaller the the bar shows way better than I like any. Arena thing like that, um, just because of the intimacy. You can, I mean, I could see the zit on his forehead right now, kind of thing, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You guys got to gotta go get yourself out there with live music and stuff. It's no different than, um, you know, experience and stuff like we, we talked about with Dirt Racing earlier this year uh, for the first time with Jared and stuff. Like, I mean, live events, no matter what it is, you usually uh, tend to enjoy them. I mean, I don't mind going to to see you know musicals and stuff either but uh well we'll gloss over that and get into jared um what do you got for us no, for let's open topic
3: let's just talk about uh some work that i'm doing right now i know my junior high football season's over in two weeks so that's one job that i can you know clear off my schedule so for those who are listening here the some of the work i'll just go through a daily work week schedule with you guys so i'll wake up We'll start with Monday. We'll go Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. This is my schedule. Monday, I'll wake up. I go substitute teach from 7 to 3. I have junior high football practice from 3 to 5, and now it's getting dark around 7, so about 5 to 7, I'll mow some yards that I haven't gotten done. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, I don't have school, so I am mowing yards from probably about 8 to 3 before coaching. Go coach 3 to 5, and then go mow some more after that but the good thing is with this how the season is the leaves are starting to fall so i'm not going to be doing as much mowing it's just going to start to be more leaf cleanups i don't know what you guys do you got what's what's your weather's like up in wyoming colton
1: are like our weather now or our seasons because yeah what, what's your
3: season what's your seasons like i don't know what the seasons are in other states but I, i'm just so used to like cliche springs hot summers fall winter
1: yeah so i live in one of the geographically most random places for weather um between like here in south dakota our weather is crazy so like last year the day after labor day it snowed four inches and it snowed all the way up until my birthday in may um and that's i mean that's pretty normal we just got our first snow here a couple months ago um, the thing about here isn't necessarily like we don't really get fall. We might get like a second summer. Um, mm-hmm. We don't really get a fall. All the leaves just kind of fall off over the course of three, or four days, and it starts snowing. Uh, the big thing here is the wind. Um, when I, I sh- it it is so windy in Wyoming, it is crazy. Um, last oh, year we God. caught a 93 mile an hour wind gust going through town. Holy shit! We're talking about hurricane, and it was just like a Tuesday, like. Um, yeah when people visit here and live here you have to relearn how to open and close car doors i'm not shitting you it's it's sketchy how much wind we get i was Um, yeah i I was
2: in wyoming for like a week 2017 i think
1: it was well did you come in the summer
2: i came in like march
1: okay yeah so march we have wind season and it's basically january to mid-march
2: yeah
3: that's Um, interesting it's
1: just weird. weird. I always say that it's so windy here because Colorado sucks and Nebraska blows. Um, <laughs> dinner, those two. That's good and I also say that you could tell a local from a tourist because a tourist will chase his hat and a local just waits for the next one to blow in. Um, yeah. I mean, it's if you guys ever come visit, I would suggest like, what I would come to Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. I mean, I've, been to, I've been to the devil's tower. I've been to like, yeah, it's just yeah, a big rock. Plans. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would suggest coming in the summer for Frontier Days, or come in February and get you a, a hard screaming wind winter.
3: I'd okay. wish, I'd be kind like, of i guarantee
1: you guys idea. won't bitch about forty degrees after you stay here for a week. I got you know, an idea. Yeah, we need so some like ice car racing, like ice racing. For cars. It's too windy to do that. You, can't no, just
2: put,
3: oh, spo- you know can just put make the spoilers bigger.
0: Just put a sail on the back.
3: Make care. the spoilers yeah, don't bigger. Don't
0: even have a motor. Just have a sail drag race. for Yeah, like a mile and a half.
1: <laughs> bigger spoilers. Uh, the the I eighty pass between Cheyenne and Laramie, uh, just west of town here, is one of, if not the most closed stretch of interstate in the entire country
0: because of the snow and wind. The so blown over so, uh, wait, so I-80, Everything that you're saying makes me not want to go over there.
3: Wait, so you live, like, right near Interstate 80?
1: It's, I mean, I could throw a rock at it from my oh, house. Oh,
3: that's sick. I, I live, like, five minutes from Interstate 80, so I know how to get to I'm your place. 80, right down. <laughs> so. yeah. Yep. But, yeah, where, I mean. Where is, like,
2: where is your town in Pennsylvania?
3: Buddy? Uh, Do you know where State College Penn State's at? Yeah.
2: It's. Um, where, what is that town called? I'm, I'm not familiar, because, like, I know my dad is from Scranton.
3: Maybe. Okay, Scranton's more north yeah. east of me. It's, I'm more of like, if you look on where Penn State is on your maps, I'm about 45 minutes northwest of it. So it's so not, Scranton it's.
0: Scranton is where my dad's friend Danny lives right now.
3: Scranton's he's where Dunder, Mif- for, uh, Dunder Mifflin's in Scranton, PA. Yeah, my dad, I,
0: he's
2: like, oh yeah, and they filmed here when I was like in
3: college. <laughs> Dunder Mifflin Paper Company resides in Scranton, PA. So, so
0: Nathan, I think we all know the answer, but what are your seasons like in Florida? We don't have seasons.
2: Like my law, my best way to describe it would be, um, we're we're getting into the nicer part now. Like where it's you know it's not oppressive most times. There was a year where it was like eighty five on Christmas. Um, we're not gonna talk about that year.
0: Um, okay.
2: it, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of it. It's the humidity is what kills you more than the heat. I think, and it's like, I would say let's just go month by month. Right, from January to April, you're probably thinking like it doesn't really get into the thirties unless you're lucky like it's maybe like 40s 50s at the coldest sometimes your 30s um like 60s and 70s for most winter days we, we that's our winter um then once you get to like march or april then it starts to warm up get humid we don't have a spring like it just goes to like like the most mild like our winters are like a fall for everyone else and then Summer months, like, I would say April to, like, October. That's, like, the hottest balls months. The hottest balls there's, months. There's like, no, like, there's no let up. So then, so what is your heat November.
0: index usually?
2: Like, what do you I mean, like, heat index?
0: No, like, heat index. Like, how hot does it feel? It
2: usually. usually feels like it's, like, if it's 80 degrees, it usually feels like 85. If it's 90, okay. it's, like, 100. Like, it's humid. it's just humid. It's, like, every deep south area.
0: Yeah, so being up here in Alabama, I can say without a doubt that I'm in the harshest weather zone uh, out, of, out of you guys. Because for some reason, we don't get precipitation in the winter um, when it's really cold. We have like three weeks where it's like, ah, we're going to be close to or below zero. And if it rains, you're going to freeze and you won't have electricity because we don't we don't get snow, we get ice. And then during the summer, we have about four weeks where our heat index is black and we're over 110 (laughs) degrees for a month. And then we don't have a spring, like Nathan said, and our fall is like three days and then it gets hot again. And then it's fall until those three weeks of winter when it's like close to freezing. Like like late November to
2: to summer. Like late November to January. Like those are like the nicest months weather wise for me because they're like they're not super cold. Like I can actually walk outside. Like right? summer months, you are you're gonna sweat.
0: Yeah. It, it will be it'll be eighty five during the day and thirty five at night during the winter. It for here,
2: it's like sometimes in the summer it's like the feels like is the A heat in it's like eighty six degrees at night. And I'm
1: like if you've never been hit in the face with blowing gravel while it's sunny fuck outside and negative ten, I don't wanna hear it. man you can layer up for cold but you can't you you can't layer up for wind in the summer you're on the ground in the summer
0: okay so wind burn is no fucking joke i would rather have a fucking blistering sunburn than my face be chapped by wind fuck that shit
1: yep we can if you come to cheyenne in february there's a really good chance i can get you a trampoline because they just blow out of people's yard.
3: Oh. oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah. These jokes well, are just, they're too the much. The best thing for me is like, I'll take a video of it next time it happens. Like, I'm more of a cold guy than a heat
2: guy because like, you can layer up to get the cold, get rid of the cold, but like, you can when take it's your hot outside, just, like, you, there's nothing you can do to get rid of heat. Like, there's nothing you can do. You're just stuck. Yeah, he, just like, don't go outside.
0: Like I remember being. Yeah. On, on Dauphin Island, on the Gulf Coast, and also in Brownsville um, when Myra's parents left there, which is also on the Gulf Coast. And it was hot. But because there was enough of a sea breeze, I wasn't sweating too bad. It was not miserable. But being here in central Alabama and central Georgia my whole life, Jesus Christ, it is, it is hot I'm as hell. There's no is, wind. I'm
2: in Oviedo, Florida right now, central Florida. It is hot. But, right. Like, if I go to like I, like next next week, probably I'll be home for a couple months. You know, like online class, all stuff. That'll be a little nicer. It's fall, like you know, it's like maybe seventies, like mid seventies, sea breeze, all that kind of stuff. But like, even then,
1: it's still pretty hot in the summer.
0: Wind just helps so much.
1: Uh, careful what you wish for um there's probably in the nicest geographical location out of all of us i mean yeah, could probably so.
3: yeah i get like yeah i can't really complain about their like how mine is it's kind of random at times but not to the extremes as you guys are saying because at least i know when to prepare for the weather because i know our winter season is probably about no end of november to probably like mid-march and then once you get to march it's like the rainy season whenever it'll just rain rain get some 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 nice days and there's like a big joke i have to i'll find the meme or whatever and show you but like once you get into summer and fall it's kind of a big toss up on what kind of weather you're gonna get because you're gonna get really hot days and sometime you're gonna get real cold then you have like second summer and like First fall, second fall. And like, that's the same time kind of a spring, too. Is like, you'll get some rim ups and downs, but I'll have, I'll have to find that meme for you guys to see. But it's still like, it's kind of predictable on what you're going to get. Like, you know what you're going to get in spring. You know what you're going to get in summer. It doesn't really get too massively hot up here. It doesn't get too massively cold here. And if it, it does get, super cold. I think like the lowest it's been around here is maybe like negative 10 or so. So it doesn't really get, and you know, when it's going to happen and it doesn't last more than like a week or so. It's just like random snowstorms or something. I do know this past year, we actually got like record breaking snow. I think we got 22 inches of snow in our area. And we haven't had that since 1992. Because since I do landscape, since I do landscaping and stuff, of course I obviously get into snow blowing and snow removal for people. And it was funny because literally every single person I talk to, because they, you know they're all older people that I help out, and they're like, yeah, "We haven't had a storm like this since 1992." And I'm like, "If I had a dollar for every person that said like said that to me, I would have been, I would have made a lot more money just because it was literally the same conversation I had with people." That's, so like, that's great. It's kinda of yeah. funny too, because 'cause I'm like, man, I just I literally just heard that from the person next door. Like
2: Ooh, oh. Alex Alex has a good point. It's not like I'm not talking like a face like a face burn, but like if you like I remember the first time that I saw snow when I was a little kid when I was seeing family. Uh, we had a snow fight. I didn't wear gloves or mittens or whatever and I'm like I take like I get inside I'm like why are my hands burning? Like I just touched snow and my hands are burning and like it's really weird.
3: Yeah, it's also weird, too, because like if your hands are cold and you put your hands under cold water, it's warm. Uh-huh. Have, you, have you noticed it that? Burns.
0: Like, oh my gosh, yeah. It's I weird. just saw a, uh, a Hank Green TikTok about this, but I can't remember. Oh, well. Yeah, TikTok. Those, those guys, your pretty...
1: TikTok. Holy hell. That was painful. I don't want to
0: fuck with frostbite. I already have enough yeah, issues with circulation and shit anyway. They don't need yeah. all that.
1: Yeah, it hurts pretty bad. <clears throat>
0: all right well that was a great wide open uh fan fuel um we talked about stuff not Water. dealing with racing we really want some uh, input from fans next time we'll let you guys know a little bit more ahead of time uh, before we do the next one it'll probably be during the off season probably sometime during the uh, latter part of november or december um thanks for watching thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit over an hour and a half and um If you're not already following us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter at FanFuelMSM, capital F, capital F, capital MSM. And be a part of the action at FanFuelMotorsports.com. You can send in uh, anything to us at FanFuelPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to our pinned tweet on our Twitter and uh, send us through through that Gmail with a a picture of yourself, your content, a little bit of... uh, about you, and uh, fill out that form that we've got there, and we'll put you on the website. As always, thanks for listening. If you're not watching live on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else that you uh, stream, and then uh, go follow the rest of us on Twitter. We've all got our Twitter handles up. um, At Harrington Ma 11 with me, the capital H, capital M-I-H. At Cranmore Colton for Colton, at B1G Nate underscore 11 for Nathan and PK Jared 9. For Jared, Um, we'll appreciate all the support we can get. We want to get you guys on. I do want to go ahead and announce before we leave in two weeks, uh, November 4th, I believe. It's a Thursday night. It's going to be 7 p.m. And we will be having a very, very big Chase Elliott and um, Jimmy Johnson fan. Hendrick fan uh, in general. And Keith Merrick will be joining us and we are looking forward to that so if you guys got any questions for Keith send them our way we'll be sure to ask him other than that have a good night and uh, we'll see you next week I right. bye